Oh, hello friends. Welcome back to the Jack Ravel Show. Today's guest is Lucien. Lucien is the expert coach for extraordinary women, helping them move away from frustration and towards a life they love to live. After meeting on Clubhouse and hearing Lucien speak, I wanted to find out her story and what got her to where she is today. We had an incredible chat that dived way deeper than I anticipated, which ultimately led to some wonderful insights. So expect to learn what empowerment can do for a human, why becoming a master coach was so important to her, how the coaching industry has changed over the past year. We dive into wealth, confidence, and of course, Clubhouse. You do not want to miss this episode. In other news, this episode of the podcast is sponsored by Bean Coffee. Bean Coffee is a single roast origin coffee house based up in Liverpool. They carefully source their highest quality Arabica beans from single estates from around the world and package them up for us to enjoy. I've been drinking their coffee for almost a year now and I can vouch that this stuff is awesome. They deliver it directly to your door on a subscription basis, either weekly, fortnightly, or monthly, and you can choose for how it comes, either whole, whole bean or ground. I get the 20 pound a month subscription bag, and that gives me four 200 gram bags of high grade quality personality and a cup beans that make my mornings the best part of my day. And lucky for you, the listeners of the show are able to get 10% off everything online by keying in the code JACK10 on checkout. So if you just head over to www.beancoffee.co.uk and check out their amazing selection and pop in that code JACK10 to get yourself some wonderful coffee. I believe me, me, you will never ever buy supermarket coffee ever again. Right, now it's time for the lovely Lucienne. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Jack Ravel Show. Today, I have the wonderful Lucienne here in the studio with me. And I'm very excited to chat to Lucienne because not only have we, we've probably spoken more on the wonderful apps of Clubhouse and that sort of thing, um, but we've never actually sort of properly met. And this is what this was, was, was really exciting for me for. But also, I'm really excited to dive a bit deeper into kind of who Lucienne is, what she does, uh, you know, how she helps people and everything in between. And so just to give you a brief introduction to who uh, who Lucien is. She is the expert coach for extraordinary women, helping them move away from frustration and towards a life that they want to live. So Lucien, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you for having me, Jack. What, what an honor and a pleasure. Thank you, so much. <laughs> thank you so much. So before I get kicking, I noticed on your Instagram yesterday that you went for a swim for the first time it looked like in ages. How was that for you? Oh my goodness me. It was amazing. Number one, because I was on my own, which, you know, you'd think after a year or however long it's been in lockdown, you would you would be moving away from. But actually, you know, being at home, working from home, having um, my son here, my partner, um, it, everything is in the home. The hub of everything has been in the home. And uh, very recently I had um, an operation on my foot 
So I haven't been able to do, so there's been quite a lot of scarring. So I haven't been able to do any form of exercise or really get it wet actually for ages. So being in, getting into that pool with nobody there, it's an outdoor pool, it's beautiful. The aim is to have an organic pool in my own back garden one day, um, was just amazing and it reminds me of when I was pregnant and you just you just don't have any weight to carry and you might be sweating a lot but you can't actually feel it so it's great um yeah just felt really good it felt really good to do that and also I'm gonna I'm gonna double up on that time I'm gonna get myself some decent underwater earphones so that I can be listening to audiobooks when I'm swimming so maximizing my time in the pool is something that's on the next list the agenda it, it's such a i'm i'm i come from a background of swimming it's why i've brought this up it's uh it, it's something it's like my meditation it's you know i i find it so relaxing and chilling out when i just get in and do lengths after lengths you know it's, it's that sort of thing where people talk about like the runner's high which i kind of understand now that i've done a lot more running recently but i, I can get in a pool and just swim and it's exactly what you just said it's just that chilled relaxed kind of feeling but on the underwater headphones there's um, i used to have a pair that were called m they were called waterfies so like water and then fi and they were great, but they, unless you got the exact right headphones for your ears, the water got in and it made it a bit muffled. However, there is a brand that have just come out and I can't remember the name, but they're basically um, ones that, that sit on the, the bone of your ear. So they don't actually go in your ear. They sit on the bone of it and go around it and they vibrate whatever the music is or the, or the, the audio book into your ears. And apparently it's much better because you can actually hear it more clearly and it kind of doesn't wash out with the water and it's just a le- lot bit less frustrating. So you should check them out and have a look at them because they're, they're definitely what you need. <laughs> That's brilliant. I'm always looking for ways to, um, to maximise time that I'm spending on different things. So yes, absolutely brilliant. Good stuff, good stuff. Bone, bone vibration ear things for underwater. I reckon if you put that in Google, that'll come out with a pretty good, pretty good search engine like that. Good. So, Lucien, you are a master coach, which I'm fascinated to talk a bit more detail about. But before we go into that, I'd love to know what what got you into coaching. What inspired you to become somebody that really helps women empower themselves and become you know the best versions of themselves in their industry? Brilliant question. Okay, so I've worked in education for years, and as you know, as I believe you're a trained coach as well, aren't you? Yes. So I can see it from from behind you. Um, as you know, coaching is very different to teaching, mentoring, giving the answers, etc. However, I did find that I kind of naturally adopted that questioning style, allowing space and freedom with the people that I was talking with, especially with sixth form students. So I was a sixth form tutor for years and um, always found that I had a really good rapport with, with my students and actually allowing them the space to be able to consider the strengths from within was something that I started doing naturally anyway. Um, I began began to become quite disillusioned with the education system and uh, looked into other modes of being able to educate. So my bigger plan was to actually open my own school eventually. So that was the trajectory that I was on. Um, And through this education of through the education of educating myself on education, I came to the conclusion that the education system is, in my opinion, very flawed. And um, I wasn't going to be able to make the change or impact from inside education in the same way that I would from outside. So I left 
Um, lots of external factors going on there as well. But, you know, I'd spent a long time, um, I'd spent a long time and a lot of money on investing as myself as a future leader in education. So I have a master's in education and um, there was a bit of heartache involved in, in leaving as well. So it felt kind of natural for me to begin by coaching students when I left the school setting. And that was the intention. I set up a business called Sense Coach, which I realized after speaking to branding and marketing folks made no sense at all, ironically. Um, and I actually attracted a client who was a director at a financial company uh, in the financial services industry. And she'd heard about what I was doing and the fact that I was training. I was training with Animas at the time, Animas Transformational Coaching. And she was like, I'll be a guinea pig, basically. Like, Fine. Yeah, great. Brilliant. <laughs> you know, um, and so I did that with her and then she brought me into her company. And actually, what was really interesting through that process and through that rebranding exercise before I became Lucien Coaching was the fact that people were actually a lot more interested in my nervous breakdown that I'd had, in um, what I talk about around identity as a woman, around being a mum, around being a, a leader, and and how that affects people. And I've ended up working mostly in the corporate world because, and there was a monkey on my shoulder for a long time because I'd never been an executive in a corporate firm. But actually, that's been really good in a lot of ways because. I'm coming into that space without the polluted sense of what that is and with a really kind of human element to, to what's going on in those walls and, and behind the scenes. So um, it developed from a desire to be able to help students to how can I possibly help women like me, for example. There's a, there's a lot that's said about us simply wanting to help ourselves five years ago 10 years ago um to actually really really loving and appreciating the power of a great coach and it's it's created this desire in me to you know really regulate the coaching industry um to ensure that people who are working under the title of coach have done supervised hours um so I'm really passionate about coaching now which I wasn't you know maybe five years ago as soon as five years ago it's funny I had a conversation with a past guest actually Anastasia Banks who is from a sales background and she started coaching because of a similar reason she she was in this kind of like education space but teaching people how to, to to basically sell but then found that it was just such a frustrating space to be in and now her frustrations come from exactly what you just said about how people are calling themselves a coach without actually knowing exactly what that is. And a pro the problem is, as you know, the industry is un unregulated. There is no sort of governing body that it's not like you get a, you know, a BSC or a BA or, or, or whatever in, in that specific space. And I hope one day that it does become that because it really is a skill set that isn't just something you can buy on the internet for 25 pounds, which I've seen. And, and it's just heartbreaking, you know, considering the amount of hours and money and time and education that we put into what we do for our clients. So how do you see the, the industry sustaining itself if now anyone can just go on Instagram or LinkedIn and be like, hey, I'm a coach and it, 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 where, you know, it sort of almost loses its value. So how do you see that kind of becoming a, 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 a solution in the future? 
Yeah, it's a, that's a really good question. And I don't know the answer other than working with integrity and calling out those who I know aren't working with integrity. Um, so I would love to be working alongside the ICF. I want to really, you know, I really want to focus some of my energies in in, in non-exec terms, you know, supporting through some form of philanthropy, really, how we can do that. But I don't know what the answer is. And I have been reading around the subject for the last probably 18 months or so, because I have a lot of clients who have come to me after having spent an extortionate amount of money. And that's not to say that coaching shouldn't be valued for what it is. Um, but they haven't had any form of return on what they've invested in terms of emotional capacity, not so much financial capacity. You can't really measure the benefit of coaching unless you understand the benefit for yourself. But it's a really, it's a really difficult, it's a really difficult scenario. I mean, I do think there should be, I mean, so the ICF, you have to pass a certain level in terms of the code of conduct and the ethics of coaching. So you have to show demonstrable evidence that you are able to coach under that regulation. And to become an MCC, which is what I'm working towards, so I'm master accredited, but I'm not master certified yet. To become a master certified coach through the ICF, you have to have done a certain amount of hours with a master certified coach in order to get that credential um and i think actually if we were to focus more on accessibility for people who can't afford that credentialing but have the skill set just like we do with bursaries and scholarships at university but but make it a a really um a really well disciplined career so that not just anybody can approach it and go, hey, I'll transform your life. And because we've got people's lives in our in our hands, you know, we're not transforming them, but they're transforming themselves. The other thing that I would say to that is there are people obviously who've um, let's talk world of entrepreneurship, for example. There are people who've built really successful businesses who have the experience. They they know how to build a great business. But that's not coaching, that's mentorship. So showing someone how to do something step by step is mentoring, it's consulting, it's not coaching. So I think there needs to be a real drill down on what the term actually means. And I I mentor and I coach and I consult. So I do all three in one. But I'm I'm really passionate about about this. I don't know. What do you think, Jack? How do you think we we do this? You abs- yeah, you you read my mind. It's it's one of the fundamental things that I you know as a coach I help lots of other people as well as coaches kind of define what a coach is. And one of the biggest learning curves for me when I first started was understanding the difference between a coach and a therapist and a psychologist and a mentor and a, and a consultant and a guide and all the other names you can come up with in that umbrella of space. And for me, a coach is actually one of the easier topics because you do less it's all about just opening up that space. It's about good questions, in my opinion. It's about asking somebody a question that gets them thinking outside of where they were before, thinking about what they could do, what they you know could do if they were doing this way, looking from a different perspective, shifting the box around, that kind of thing. 
Whereas a mentor or a consultant, it's telling them, it's, it's, it's almost like cookie cutter. It's like, okay, this is how I built my business. If you just follow these steps, you'll get to potentially where I am. Or if you follow this method, you'll get to that as well. And there is a definite crossover. If you are doing a specific coaching um, course, let's, for example, say somebody, you go to someone like, I want coaching on how to start a business. There'll be a method that that particular person's used and they'll teach you that method and then they'll coach you. And I think the coaching comes around a bit more around the sort of the mindset, the limiting beliefs, the the, the actual way forward for that person and kind of getting out of their own heads, which I find is one of the biggest causes of procrastination in the world. And, and more so because since qualifying myself, I've seen and experienced the benefit of having a coach. And I have a coach in my mindset. I have a coach for business and I have a coach for scaling. You know, it's all three people give me different things. And I think that the, the biggest lesson that I think I could share would be that if you don't invest in yourself, how can you expect yourself to grow? You know, it's like investing in a bank account, right? How can you expect your bank account to grow with unless there's money in it, right? It's the same for you. And so I, I do believe that. And to bring it back to the question about kind of how we can regulate it, my thoughts on it are that it needs to have some sort of, there there needs to be some sort, there needs to be better ways for us to distinguish between a coach and a non-coach, whether that be a directory, like a yellow pages old school style where it's like, if you're in that, then then you're accredited. I know that the ICF do have, uh, they have that and the the ACF and the other, other, other governing bodies do have that. But again, it's not, it's not something that a client, so like, you know, Joe Bloggs coming off the street would necessarily know to look for. So I think that's maybe where I would say the awareness around, okay, you've got five people you're looking at to go coaching, uh, to, to have some coaching with, who who would you want to choose or who would you go with? And I know a lot of it's about the rapport, a lot about the relationship, Why? which is why I think that personally, I've never ever coached someone unless I've given them an experience of my coaching in the first place, give them at least an hour sitting with me, talking to me about what it is they want to achieve and taking them through a model or two of like, well, let's, this, this is what we could do if we work together, would that work for you? And if you see the rapport and you get that feeling, then great, go for it. But nine times out of 10, it works. Sometimes you get those people that don't necessarily fit. And that's actually a a good coaching decision to say no because it's gonna, it's gonna not not only be an enjoy a non enjoyable experience for both of you, but it's also not gonna benefit anyone. So I think it's, uh, yeah, I think you know, in terms of keeping it, what's the word I'm looking for? Keeping it, um, uh, keeping it a real and authentic business and career. I think there, def- there definitely has to be a lot more done in order to make sure that people are, you know, looking in the right places for the credentials. Mm, yeah, I think you're right. Um, yeah. <laughs> Let's see what we can do over the next however many years we've got on the planet. We'll exactly. keep fighting the fight, I'm sure. Exactly. So I want to ask you, what does the word empowerment mean to you? Because it's something that speaks to me when I see your website, when I see your content, when I when I when I see what you do. But I'd love to know what it means to you. Yeah, lovely. Okay. So I don't think I've ever answered this question before. So it's a great question. Uh, power to me, has a negative connotation, which is interesting that empowerment, because that is the bringing about of power, um, is something that is so core in my value set. However, empowerment symbolizes to me, and this is all about semantics and the personal feeling that you have around this, this word or the words that you use, signifies to me a person or people who have not got the same 
ability to feel powerful. I think with power comes a lot of responsibility. So that's 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 where power and power has often been held in our history by white men. So that's that's where I struggle with it. And so in bringing the balance back to the diversity and inclusion of of all leaders from all different backgrounds, neurodiversity as well. Um, how can we empower the people to the level of the people in power so that everyone is working from a similar social strata? And that's that's really difficult to put into words because then once you're empowered, you could argue, well, that that's power, isn't it? But actually, an empowered person comes from a place of not having had power, and and rising up to that power power in themselves. And I think it's a very it's a very self driven thing. It's not an external power that's imposed on others. It's an empowerment from within to be able to live in a way that suits you that's I am all for as long as you're not harming another human being you can do whatever you want if you have an open relationship and everybody's in the open relationship and they're happy with it go for it if you want to take your children out of school and travel the world because you feel that travel is a better education than sitting in the classroom go for it. If you don't want to speak to anyone all day long for five days a week and then go and, you know, party for a weekend and and that's your form of socialization, go for it. Like I feel like the social constraints that we have disempower us. And it's very difficult to find people who have the ability to say, there is no judgment here about you you know you don't like your children I don't judge you you don't like your mother I don't judge you you want to be a billionaire I don't judge you you never want to earn a penny I don't judge you as long as you're not harming another person I'm not judging you so feeling empowered is having people like perhaps you or I providing spaces which is what I'm doing in the corporate world, working with the people at the very senior levels to say, we need to create an environment that allows people to step into their power rather than stepping into your power. They need to feel empowered from within. So it's it's a really important word to me. And it has so many different facets to it but it is I think in summary something that you step into of yourself and allows you to be who you truly are without the constraints of the outside world or Victorian England or whatever else it is that's created our society. I really like how you took the word empowerment and talked about how essentially being unique is actually what empowerment's all about that you know the the fact that you don't have to conform to society's norms of kids go to school at this place for this many years with this amount of education or having to work at this job for this many hours a day because you're getting paid this much and like all this and I'm a, I'm a big advocate for entrepreneurship like I've never had a full-time job because I just cannot work for somebody else it's it's maybe it's a stubborn thing in my in my in my in my in my loins or it's a uh, it's just a, a part of my personality I never want to change but it's given me this, this ambition and drive and I love like in a way it's empowered me to be the person I am today 
to allow me to do that. But a good question I wanted to ask you is how do you empower yourself? If you're doing it for others, how do you become empowered yourself? That's a very good question. Good questions today. Um, how do I empower myself? Well, that's, that is really interesting because I've hired a number of coaches over, over my career and it's only just recently that I feel that I've found someone where I do feel really empowered. And I think that that is all about permission. I was talking about this the other day and I'd never thought of coaching as this, you're almost paying for the permission to be able to sit with your thoughts and go, I'm allowed to feel this way. I'm allowed to do this thing that I want to do, whether it's a retreat in Barbados or, you know, this is something that I've been cooking up for a while, but I finally said it out loud. It's audacious. But so what? Like, I am able to, I give myself permission to charge women between 10 and 15,000 pounds to come away for a week and to have world-class coaching with loads of people and get get information and be in a, in a luxury villa by the by the beach and have first-class travel and I don't care that's fine like I can do that whereas before I had this dichotomy with wealth and and being able to provide support and I felt like it should be free and I should be able to do this for, for nothing and we should have this in our society and in our community but I need to build a business that is able to give back. So I've, I've, the coaching that I've had has definitely steered my wealth mindset to allowing me to feel empowered to have wealth so that I can create the things that I want to create. And I'd heard people talking about that before. And I was like, what, you know, what a load of rubbish, you know, you just, you just want to be rich, you know, but what's wrong with wanting to be rich? Nothing. Exactly. But to me before there was everything wrong with wanting to have lots of wealth, because there are so many people in the world that don't have wealth. Again, like stepping out of the education system, I can't help people that don't have wealth unless I have wealth. So um, that's been the biggest empowerment tool is recognizing that I can be wealthy and that I am valuable enough to keep wealth and be able to then create more wealth. And, and that's come through, you know, the last coach that I've been working with. And also I've got a really interesting family scenario. So um, my family, my, my immediate family scenario is that um, I was married for a time and I've known my ex-husband for 20 years and he's the father of my son and he happens to be my best friend as well. Um, and my partner, we've been together for about six years now. Um, we all get along really, really well. Um, we we all live separately. There's no such thing as an open relationship with us. It's completely separate. However, one of, I, I would say the two people that have empowered me the most have been my ex-husband and my current partner, because they have been around me like cheerleaders for such a long time. And I never really saw it myself. And it's only really in the last year or so that I'm going, 
yeah, actually, you might be right. I might be able to do this. And they love saying, I told you so. So it's great. So those those two individuals have been incredible in my life. My son is incredible as well. He He's just, again, cheerleader is, is the best thing, best way of describing it. I've got like this, this army of of men <laughs> around me <laughs> who are cheerleading for my success. And I just think that's absolutely amazing. I've never, never put it like that before. And it's quite interesting. Um, but without them in my life, I'd, I definitely would have stayed in education, would not have pursued the disgruntlement that I had to create what, what you were talking about, not wanting to be, you know, told to do stuff by someone above me. And, and that has been a really empowering journey. The relationships that I've formed with my son, my ex-husband and my current partner. What a strange thing to say. I love that. It's uh, it's it's what like they like to call, as we know in the coaching world, it's like a reframe, isn't it? It's like, how can you turn that into a positive? I love what you said about wealth, though, because wealth is, is a huge topic of conversation around people thinking that wealth just means money. And yes, it does, but it doesn't always mean money. And I think where you just, where you said before about, I was able to see wealth as a tool rather than a gain is is a massive, massive shift. And I was just thinking then about how, when we make money, we make money because we are in most of the time, a capitalist society that says we need to make money for the sake of making money because we need money to do things, right? And yes, the world is evolving around money. It more so than, than, than it doesn't, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's what you need. And I think that too many people, and I've done this with clients, I've done this with myself, I've asked them, how much money do you think you actually need? And like, work it out. Like, okay, the life you live now, how is it? If you were to times that by, you know, two, three, how much would you actually need and put a figure on it? That figure is always always a lot less than they think they need to make, which then feeds into this sort of negative feedback loop of like, well, if I, I need to be rich, so I need to be doing this, I need to be doing that, I need to be, you know, making this much money, I need to be, you know, working this many hours, and then you end up getting this burnout. And, you know, I, I had a conversation with someone the other day about my goals and it was I was I was hiring somebody to, to work with me and they asked me what do you want to achieve and I said I genuinely just want to be financially free so that I don't have to worry about spending 25 quid on a uh, an uber after an uh, you know a friend's house or like a uh, hundred pounds on a, a nice weekend away with with my girlfriend or something it's not like I'm spending thousands on private jets and like nice cars and that sort of stuff you know what I mean like that if that one day becomes a, a need for me then maybe I have to up my business but actually when you start working that stuff out you realize there's a lot more to, 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 to life than just money. It's about the wealth of the time you get to spend with your son, the wealth of time you get to go and actually spend some time in a swimming pool on your own when no one else can because you're not working a nine to five. You know, the wealth of being able to actually help people as a result of you helping other people who are able to pay the money that you charge and then help the ones that can't necessarily afford it. That's wealth. So, you know, in, in, in your eyes, where do you see your wealth being built the most in your life over the next 10 years? Wow, that again, really good question. You should do this for a living. <laughs> for a living. Um, so wealth building next 10 years. I think that there's something around what I do in terms of thought leadership and creating spaces where people can can come to educate themselves and and be empowered 
Um, I'm not a big fan. I'm going to say this and then probably end up doing it one day. I'm not a huge fan of the masterminding model unless it's done really, really well. Um, But I, I do feel that some form of educational setting where people can come and and learn is like a school for adults yeah. really you know um because we were talking about this this morning um how much do we actually value our education when we're in the education system and how many of us say oh I really wish that I'd learned this when I was at school well the truth is we probably did for an hour or so, but it just wasn't ever really embedded or entrenched that well. And a lived experience, we didn't recognise it as something that we needed at the time. So it's it's gone from our memory. Um, so I think that that is still some form of a bigger vision. I, I do coach, I have six pro bono clients a year. Um, and I, I always set out that I would that I would have a number of pro bono clients that simply couldn't afford my services, but had exceptional vision and were really driven and understood the value of coaching. Um, so I do that um, six times throughout the year. And I would like, as I grow, as what I do grows, to be able to incorporate that and multiply that as as required, you know, through through the business. So yeah, but also family-wise, I really want to own a home that is is a beautiful home. I'm talking like just lovely, where you would want to live for the rest of your life with an outdoor organic pool, for example. Um, but it be ours and not owe that to anyone. The land be mine the house be ours and I've had a I've had two homes in my past and I sold them both um and I've never been happier um where I where I'm at at the moment because I can travel the world if I want to covid permitting you know my germ my half of my family is German so I, I spent a lot of time um in Europe uh, growing up and having a home where my son never needs to worry about paying rent or paying a mortgage where my family never need to worry about where they're living extended family um a place that is ours that's what i really want i think that that my personal vision is, is that but equally i say that i'd be happy living in a tent in a camper van for for 6 months of the year so you know it's <laughs> a really weird weird one but it's always good to have somewhere to come back to and I've never really we had a family home in Germany and that got sold when my grandparents passed away and that was really the only constant home that I had growing up so I think that's where that desire comes from an anchor uh, a home is is what I want it's it's funny the when we go through life and, and this is something that I'm taking slightly from personal experience, but also from kind of an amalgamation of different conversations I've had over the years is that when we start off in life, we think we know what we want, right? But only as we go through time and through experiences and through learning things, we realize that, oh, actually the thing we thought we want isn't what we want. And actually what we want is the thing that we've been experiencing over and over and over again. And it comes, there's a quote that kind of sums this up nicely, which is you can borrow 
knowledge, but you can't borrow experience, right? So you can borrow books of knowledge. You can borrow somebody telling you about something. You can borrow that and use it to whatever you will, right? But you can't actually borrow the experience of actually doing it yourself. And through what you've done, buying and selling two houses and you know starting a business and going through to become a master coach and working in education, you've created this life for yourself. You've become the person you are today. And it wouldn't have happened if you hadn't have done all those things. And looking forward... And, and looking at what you could do, it's almost like rather than looking at what you could learn more of, it's like, well, what could you learn from the things you've done already? And that's what I think is really exciting about when you get to a point in your life where you understand who you are and what you actually want out of life. And therefore, instead of trying to find answers, you're just about, it's about sorting them out that's already happened behind you. It's like going through your, your this is your life. You're like, oh, that was a nice time. We should do more of that sometime. You know, oh, that was fun. We should do that again. You know, rather than like, oh, constantly wanting and chasing the whatever the the the, the golden leprechaun is on the end of the rainbow type thing. And I think it's I think it's nice. And it sounds like you're in that space, and it and it's awesome to see it because not just in the way that you talk about it, but also in the way that you hold yourself. And as it comes like nicely back to the empowerment thing, you can see that you're empowered to do what you do. I want for nothing. I'm so lucky. I really am. You know, if if I live the rest of my life the way that I'm living now, I would be a very happy woman. You know, that would be great. Um, and the thing is, as well, I spend a lot of time on personal development. I don't know if you've heard of Professor Laurie Santos. I have, yes. Yeah. I think, actually, this is yeah. funny, I think on her, I think she she does the, um, the Happiness Lab, the Happiness Podcast. Yeah, that's it. Yes, I've heard of her. Yeah, so she does. Um, it's a free course and it's brilliant. I did I did the paid version where you get a certificate at the end, and um, it's very cheap. I think it's something like it's under fifty quid for the for the course. But the reason that she's created it is to give access and education to people around what happiness is from the more academic and scientific background. So I'm a real stickler for academia for peer-reviewed research you know I really I'm really that's really important to me and um, this course is brilliant because it it does teach you about the human fundamentals around what we believe happiness to be and what it actually is so we're always saying money can't buy you happiness in fact that's not true in some senses and in others it's very very true so once your basic needs are met as a human being actually that's where the, the happy happiest time of our lives is spent and what she talks about is when you then increase your wealth um the happiness begins to diminish again because of responsibility stress you know we we hear about people who've won the lottery who commit suicide you know it's we know that money can't bring you happiness but a certain level of wealth certainly brings you happiness because it means that you've got a roof over your head fresh water clothes to wear um so that's a i highly recommend that course for anybody who hasn't done it it's called the science of happiness or the science of well-being it's absolutely brilliant it's on the i think it's yale isn't it yale university yeah. website and it's and it's free yeah i, I actually have done parts of it it's typical classic online course structure of like oh yeah i'm gonna do them all and then you never actually end up finishing any of them which is uh it's actually a kind of a real problem i think a lot of people are slowly starting to wake up to is that there has been a massive surge of online courses over the last year right and uh all well and good if, if you're that motivated to do them but i, I mean i'm guilty when i say i've probably bought 20 courses in the last two years and i've probably done three of them 
to the end and i think yeah. it's, it comes down to kind of like the need and the want and the reasons for, for you wanting to do them in the first place but uh, another conversation for another time i wanted to um ask you a little bit about the global confidence summit that we did recently you did recently on on uh, clubhouse um first of all well done and congratulations on putting that all together it was it was an amazing day i popped in for some of it on the, on the saturday and um, for you yes thank you for supporting it, it means a pleasure. lot thank how how did it go for you what was the sort of what was the driving force behind that for you Okay, so Clubhouse is a new phenomenon, and I can say that because it really is new. I mean, it's a matter of a year, a year old, isn't it? Um, something like that. And I've only been on it since January, um, and I've met so many people on that platform, including you. I've met so many people on that platform who are like me, very different, but are like obsessed about you know, what they're actually spending their time doing with their lives, who actually care about creating something that's bigger than them. And, you know, when you're when you're hanging out with your friends, and you're the only business owner, or you're with your family, and you're talking about your clients, and you can be you can be a bit of an annoying person for those people, I imagine. But when you're living on purpose, and that purpose is through the work that you do, it's very difficult to tone down how important it is. So I, uh, I, went onto the app, absolutely loved it, felt that it was just phenomenal what they'd created and really liked psychologically what I could see was happening with the people in the rooms and how it was all playing out. And then maybe two or three weeks in, and I don't know if this is because I just had the foot up, so I was on a lot of medication at the time. And I actually think, though, a lot of people have experienced this. I was just like completely bulldozed by self-awareness and lacking of self-esteem, confidence. You know, who was I to say anything about X, Y, Z? Um, Did I have to prove that my business was as successful as I say it is? You know, who here is telling the truth? Who here is lying? How do we work that out? There was this whole like, like crisis of confidence and crisis of identity almost and I came off of it for a few days and I was just like I I don't think I like what's going on here I don't like what's going on in my head and I don't like I don't like the way that it's making me feel so it's my responsibility to come off it so I came off of it and then I just got massive FOMO I can't not be on it. And um, so what I did was in true Lucien fashion, I sat down with my, I've always got blank paper in front of me because I love to get my head onto paper. And I sat down and I just, I just wrote the question, what's my intention with Clubhouse? How does it fit in to the broader picture that I've got around what I'm doing and what I'm trying to achieve? And so I came up with a couple of camps I could go into rooms and it was all about building my network of influence. So the no like and trust element was being increased. People were listening to what I had to say and I was listening to what other people had to say. And I was building a reputation as a thought leader in in my area of expertise. So 
would I be putting that hat on when I went into breakfast with winners, for example? Yes, fine to be there then. That's okay. Um, I then also considered how it was building the business more structurally. So with regards to prospective clients and, and all of that stuff. And so I, I looked at that in terms of I started doing a room once a week and then daily for a week. I tried it out where people could come and talk about how they were feeling. And I actually decided that that wasn't for me. I didn't want Clubhouse to be the selling platform. I don't like it. It feels uncom- un- uncomfortable for me. Um, probably something to do with my confidence around that as well. Um, however... When I met Danny Wicks and we were talking about my crisis of confidence, he shared that he'd experienced something similar. And I was talking with a few other people about it and they'd all gone through this roller coaster. I don't know if you went through it, like this real high and then what? <laughs> what is this? Like, can, can I do what I say I do? Who am I? Am I an imposter or am I not an imposter? Um, so I'm glad to see you nodding your head. That's really good. Um, yeah, it's it's on on that just to just to sort of give my when when clubhouse first started i was very dubious about getting on it because i was like is this just a cool kids club is this like another social media a, a trap that i just don't need to get into is this just another place for people to you know throw you know, you know throw their big things around and and that and that be that right <laughs> throw their big things around you know what i mean and uh and, and so what what i what i found from it was that actually yes you, you you almost go in like a rocket ship you have to be like hey i'm i'm jack and i do this and this is how i work and and like trying to join the right groups and find your space and it's almost like finding your your people right you know as you said it's where am i going and what am i doing you kind of duck duck into a lot of bad rooms as well as a lot of good ones and figure out what's right for you but i think the turning point for me was actually finding in exactly what you just said there it's what is my intention what is my intention for this app why am i doing this and it, it when you ask yourself that question suddenly it makes sense as to whether you are doing something or you're not doing something and as soon as i asked myself that question i went from someone being on it for the sake of being on it to being on it for 4 hours a week at specific times that work for me and that was what helped my confidence because I knew that, okay, I'm going to go on at this time because I know that room's cool and I can add some input and I don't feel like an imposter or I feel confident enough to actually share some value or I'm just going to go and sit and listen because that's what I want to learn about. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is the, pe- the benefits of Clubhouse that not a lot of people are using it for. Mm, brilliant. Yeah. So, yeah. So I to, to answer your question, I was like, Right. I set my intention, went back on it, had a chat with a few people. Danny in particular resonated with what I was saying. I was like, we need to do something on this. We need to we need to talk about our experience. I talk about it a lot very openly, but I want to hear all of these people that said that they've dealt with this, sharing this so that people in the audience can hear it and go, oh, my God, I've been going through that, too. And, and not leave the app, because I think the app has such a phenomenal there's so much possibility in that app and so many people will leave at this early stage with a bad experience unless they challenge themselves around this confidence issue so that's where that came up and then it was really interesting because oh my god it was so interesting so I consider myself quite a small fish right in a, in a big pond I don't consider myself to be overly influential I run a successful business that means I'm able to pay myself a salary that I enjoy and I don't have to worry about 
paying bills, etc. You know, I'm not going to put a figure on that because between six and seven figures, there are lots of numbers. You know, a six-figure business and a seven-figure business. Well, there's lots of businesses in between those two. So let's just say that for a start. Um, I felt like a little fish and I set this thing up and I was almost apprehensive about asking people because they wouldn't want to come to the, wouldn't want to give up their Saturday for this summit. And what I found was everyone wanted to be involved or at least the people that I asked wanted to be involved. It had a really good response, really good uptake. And I had people getting in touch with me because I hadn't asked them to be involved in it. And I felt absolutely (laughs) awful. I mean, it was just the complete opposite of what I was intending to do or what Danny and I were intending to do by hosting the Confidence Summit. So it's taught me a lot about that whole side of things. And um, the day itself was phenomenal. I mean, I really enjoyed it. We had over, I think it was four, it was 4,700 odd through the room with an average listen time of half an hour. And that's really, really good. I think, I mean, I think that's good. It is good. It is good. Yeah. I'm not sure about the metrics. I don't, I haven't looked, but in my mind, if you've got over four and a half thousand people who on average have stayed in there for over half an hour, I'm happy with that. I think that's great. There's, there's a metric called stickiness, I think it is, that, that they talk about, whereby it's basically the, the amount of time someone spends in there versus, uh, and then the amount of time, the amount of interaction they do, as well as also the amount of people that are in there in general. So it's like, if somebody sits in there and doesn't do anything, it's like less. But if they go in there and they flash their mic or they come up on stage or they talk, it increases stickiness. And so that's a good metric to look at. But for, for almost 5,000 people, that's, that's incredible. That's absolutely incredible. Yeah, considering we are little fish so we didn't have any huge names in there we had um ashley come in as a guest speaker ashley shipman who does who runs breakfast for winners uh breakfast with winners and yeah it was a phenomenal success and i was really buoyed by that event and i think it's given me a taster of what to expect in the future i think if i am going to grow the business if i am going to aim to become you know a thought leader somebody who's who's prominent in the public sphere for changing the way corporations see gender and equality and diversity, for example, then I need to get comfortable with people being annoyed with me um, when I haven't asked them to be involved in it. So that's an area of personal development for me, definitely. Um, But we are going to do another one. Um, We'll probably do many more, but uh, we're looking at June and um i think we're going to stick we are always going to stick with confidence but we will have days allocated to different areas in confidence so whether that's you know um confidence in in leadership in um identity in self belief you know all of these different things and and then we can draw in expert speakers on those specific areas um wealth will be one of them you know yeah um so yeah come join us it will be great love to love to and and it's funny because you know i wanted to just quickly touch on kind of the the pros and the cons of of clubhouse because it's such a as you said it's such a new app it's such thing that kind of so what would you say your three biggest things you love about clubhouse that are the biggest like pros to it and then three things that you think they either could improve on or that you're not a big fan of okay right (laughs) 
Uh, you're making me work today, I tell you. Right, pros. Networks of influence. Good one. So you have no idea who's listening in the room. There's no social hierarchy. Yes, you've got the stage on and off. But, you know, I was in a room and I was introducing MC Hammer, for example. You know, like, where where does that happen? Bucket list. Tick. <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was absolutely brilliant. It was in John O'Brien's room. Um, uh, yeah, so you've got you've got inspirational people who who you can connect with and hear in live time. I mean, honestly, if Beyonce goes on there, like, and I talk to her, I think I might die. Like, that would be insane. She's my hero. I absolutely love her. I'm just putting it out there, Beyonce. If you're there lurking, hiding behind a different picture, I'm your biggest fan. Um, and then another pro would be... Um, the knowledge gained in some of the rooms that comes with its con as well. Um, the knowledge gained, you are, if you are listening to people who truly are who they say they are, um, you are hearing collective experiences which are summarized and help you to, it's like reading books really. It helps you to see others' mistakes so that perhaps you don't or assimilate with other people's mistakes so that you feel like you're not as stupid as you thought you were when you went through that thing that you went through. So network of influence, knowledge, and the third pro would be hmm. I think there's something around the audio tool in live time. I think it's very clever because I've said this before. You can possibly fake your energy for a couple of weeks or who you are for a couple of weeks, but you wouldn't be able to show up every morning on, for example, Breakfast with Winners like I do and be pretending that you're somebody else. You can hear that know, like, and trust. You can hear who that person is. You get a feel for them. And so, you know, people show up. They haven't had to do their hair and makeup. They haven't had to prepare their surroundings. They're showing up as them. And I think that's another really good pro. Yeah. On the con side, unless you're intentional, it can be a massive time waste. Yeah. Massive. So, it really, really be not good for your business. Um, the second would be you have to be aware of who you're listening to. And biologically speaking, when we hear stuff and we see lots of followers, we will presume without our, you know, without our prefrontal cortex that this person really knows what they're talking about. So coming away from a room and challenging yourself okay who actually is that person that was talking about that and how much do I know that that is true because I think it can be easy to inflate one's experience on on there and the third con would be I don't know I don't I don't think there is a third one have you got a third one? Can you help me out? I think for me, one of the biggest downsides of Clubhouse is you kind of touched on it already, but this whole swinging the thing around the room type thing. And I think there's a lot of there's a lot of people giving value. There's a lot of people that, and I, I hate seeing it, but there's a lot of people that literally come into a room, 
jump up on stage, just don't really give anything, don't really share anything. They just want to be on stage for the sake of being on stage to build their following. And then they leave and do it again in another room and another room and another room. And you sort of get this disingenuine attitude around certain. I think that there's going to be a huge divide between people that are actually giving value that show up consistently every single time, you know, in various rooms and that's their space or people that like dart around all over the place and just try and build a following. It's almost like having, um, it's like buying followers on Instagram. It's that kind of like, it's going to, they're going to, gets found out at some point i think as the app develops it's going to become more obvious who those people are and aren't and i'm sure in the background you can see kind of how people are following each other and that sort of thing but i think in, in general the app is is super powerful and i think it's got the the legs to be able to actually give people value from people that they never would have in a million years been able to talk to you know i've been in rooms with some big big names and i've like managed to ask some questions and i'm like wow, I've just asked a question to someone who's got like either a million followers on Instagram or has written 20 books or has, you know, been has made multiple seven, eight figure businesses. And you're like, you almost get nervous asking them the questions. Like, am I going to be valuable enough asking them? It comes back to that confidence thing, you know? But um, I find it fascinating. And I think as well, like, look at it. We've, we, you know, we wouldn't have met if it hadn't been for the app. And I think that that's also the other thing is that Instagram has, you know, a profile of, Again, followers kind of mean something, but you can see a bit more about stuff about on Instagram and actually get value from it in that way. But not often enough do people actually talk on Instagram and show people who they really are. You know, a lot of people hide behind the pictures and the memes and the video and the uh, and the and the, uh, the throwback Thursday pictures and stuff like that. And it's like why I'm banging this beat of the drum of like you need to show up more video because it builds a connection with your audience. And Clubhouse is doing that on the audio side of things. So it's good for people like as Alex Chisnell and, and, and James who are doing the podcasting thing because you can actually hear what they do and how they do it through through that sort of thing. So yeah, I think it's going to be really powerful when Android finally get on the vote, uh, get on the bandwagon. It's going to definitely explode, I think, because 60% of the world has an, has an Android. So um, I'd be interested to see where it goes. And, and maybe in a couple of months time, we can do another one of these and be like, wow, what's what's been happening at yeah, Clubhouse? Exactly. Yeah, yeah right. Lucian, this has been incredible. I've really enjoyed chatting to you and I've loved diving really deep into kind of who you are and like what you do and how you do it because that's what I'm interested in, interesting humans with interesting stories. And I really want to thank you, first of all, for being here and spending some time with me and my guests on, on this show. Um, if people wanted to find out a bit more about you and sort of dive a bit deeper, even further into what we've talked about, where can they find you? Um, they can find me in Northamptonshire. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm based in in the very middle of the world. Um, I would say Instagram probably at the moment. I never used to be a social media person, but you know, Clubhouse has kind of forced my hand on that on that side of things. So check out the old Instagram. Um, the website is a good place to go. So LucienCoaching.com, um, or come into Clubhouse. And look, look for me there. Why not? I spend a lot of my time in there. So there you go. Yeah, that's how you can find me. Find out Fantastic. More. And I will link all of those in the show notes below. Um, and just from me, thank you so much again for coming on. And I look forward to doing this again. And obviously, I'll be seeing you in a clubhouse room very soon, I'm sure. Um, but from me, thank you so much. And uh, I look forward to doing this again. Thank you so much, Jack.